0: Our scripture reading this morning will be from Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. We are in a series on Nehemiah that is showing us what it looks like to call on God, to catch a vision from God, and to get to work for God. And in our case, to get to work making disciples, because that is who we are, that is what God has called us to do. Jesus commissioned those first disciples, but not just them. He's commissioned us to go into the world and make disciples. And so Nehemiah has been a great story, a great narrative from the Old Testament to show us what it looks like to call on God and to see what it means to catch a vision of God and to get to work for God. A couple of weeks ago, the first sermon in the series afterwards, one of our young moms here came up to me and she showed me a little worksheet that her daughter had been working on during the sermon. It was supposed to keep her sort of busy and engaged during the sermon. I thought, huh, we probably knew those for some of the adults as well. But one of the things on this worksheet is to mark down how many times a preacher says certain words, like God and Jesus, the Bible and heaven. And so after that first sermon on Nehemiah, this is what her worksheet looked like. Look at the God-to-Jesus ratio there. Very clearly... An Old Testament sermon, right? Looks like the time of possession from a recent football game that I uh, (laughs) saw. Definitely an Old Testament sermon. You talk about God, probably more than Jesus, but also I think it's a great reminder to us. It's a great reminder that it's always about God. The Bible is about God, it is God's story not exclusive to Jesus. In fact, certainly (laughs) Jesus is a major part of that story of God. But we are also a part of that story because the Bible is the story of God, but we have a place in God's story. And so today as we continue, we're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about what God is doing among us and the work that God wants to do in and through us. But we're actually going to uh, pull over the series on Nehemiah onto the shoulder for a week and just sort of park it there. If you'll let me. We're going to park that series for a week because we have something else extremely important to talk about today. Something that is not disconnected from what we've been talking about. In fact, it's exactly what we've been talking about as we talk about what it means to grow into and develop as disciples and also to make disciples we as a congregation are entering into a time of spiritual discernment as we select additional men to serve in our eldership as shepherds in this congregation it's such an important time it's such a great opportunity for us to be a part of what God is doing and so at the end of our sermon today there's going to be a call to action It's going to be something we all need to do, an opportunity we all have. And it doesn't matter if you're a college student, if you're a youth group student, if you've only been here a month or two, or if you've been here your whole life, your input is needed. Your participation is needed. And if you're a guest today, then today is a little bit different, but I think you'll also get to see behind the curtain a little bit. You'll get to see what we're all about as we think about and talk about what it means to be and make disciples, especially in the context of discerning the men who will help shepherd this congregation. But first, a math problem and a short straw. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the fulcrum in human history. It is the most profound historical event in our world. And it is the centerpiece of our faith. Our faith is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, there have been people before Jesus and after Jesus that claim to be the Messiah. There have been people who have been killed and martyred, even crucified. But no one, no one except Jesus, has been raised from the dead in an imperishable body. No one but Jesus has ascended to heaven, to be at the right hand of God, for people to see this happen. No one has done that except Jesus. The resurrection changed everything. It changed everything for a group of 11 men and the other disciples who were following Christ, who were walking with Christ, who were learning from Christ it changed everything for them because the last time we saw them before the resurrection what were they doing they were running they were hiding they were huddling in fear and now after the resurrection this group of disciples they are empowered they are emboldened they have meaning and purpose and direction and hope They're ready to tell the entire world what they just saw because that's something you don't see every day. And they're ready to even put their lives on the line for the sake of the gospel. And of course, that's what Jesus is going to call them to do. Same thing he calls us to do. But for them, he says, before you do that, before you go, wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to come over you. And so they did. They waited. But while they waited, they realized they had a problem. They had a math problem. They're looking around, and they begin to count the apostles. And Matthew's a tax collector. Maybe he's good with numbers. And so maybe he begins to count. One, two, three, four. Peter, stands still. I'm trying to count. Five, six. And he gets all the way to eleven. Eleven. There are only eleven apostles. Why? Well, because of Judas. We know what Judas did. He turned his back on Jesus. He betrayed Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, the Son of God. He betrayed him, and now Judas is dead and gone. And we have a problem. There's supposed to be 12 of us. 12, after all, is a very biblical number. (laughs) There are 12 tribes of Israel... And we represent those 12 tribes. Even as we go forward with the message of the gospel, we represent Israel, God's chosen people. And so they realized they needed something. They needed a plus one. They needed another apostle to make it 12. But this was an important position. Not just anyone could be chosen to be an apostle. The word literally means sent. Sent. Someone who is sent. And they knew because Jesus had told them that he was sending them out into the world to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So they knew this was important. They knew not just anyone was right for this job. So they come up with a plan. And this plan is bathed in prayer and spiritual discernment. God would help them decide. God would show them to select as the 12th apostle. Acts chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Sabbaths, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. <laughs> Yikes. Verse 26 Then they cast lots. I'm pretty sure the message says they played paper, rock, scissors. I'm not sure. They cast lots. And the lot fell to Matthias. And so he was added to the 11 apostles. And so they make this decision, but they don't make it alone. They depend on God. They look for God's guidance. This is about spiritual discernment. And there's a certain prerequisite, right? This person needs to have done what? They need to have walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus. They need need to be someone who, who Jesus walked with. Why? Because they're going to be a witness to the resurrection. Well, couldn't they just find anyone who was there and saw the empty tomb? Hey, you'll do. You saw it, right? You know it's true, right? Yeah? Well, here, come with us because we're going to tell the world about what we just saw. But there was more to it than that. They wanted someone who Jesus had ministered to. Someone Jesus had walked with and talked with, shared meals with. Challenged, supported, taught, someone Jesus had discipled. Yes, this person, like the others, was going into the world as a witness of the resurrection. But he was also going into the world to make the very thing Jesus made in him a disciple. You see, it was about discipleship. Important decisions. Important decisions for us as a church family. Important decisions for us as individuals, as families, as couples, whatever the case may be. Decisions like this are best made from a place of discipleship. That's what we've said as a church, that discipleship is at the core of who we are. When Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go into the world and make disciples, we take that seriously. And so when we make decisions about ministries, when we make decisions about budgets, when we make decisions about leaders, when we make decisions about initiatives, all of that flows from a place of discipleship, of what it means to be and make disciples. And someone says, okay, what does that mean? What does discipleship mean? Good question, very good question. It probably entails a lot and means a lot, and you could probably say a lot of different definitions for it. But the best one I heard is this. Discipleship is about moving closer to Christ and Christ-likeness. It's about moving toward Christ. And as you and I move toward Christ, and as we bring others toward Christ, we are shaped and transformed into the image of Christ that's what discipleship is that is what is at the heart of discipleship about moving toward Christ And so as we make disciples the idea is that we are trying with the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit to help them move closer to Christ and there's a real good chance as we do that that we also will move closer to Christ and Christ likeness And so this group of 11 choose two guys, two guys that that Jesus was with, two guys that Jesus had discipled, and they pray to God to show them the way, and they cast lots or draw straws, you might say, very common way of making decisions back then. But the essence of what they were doing was, was trusting God. It was about spiritual discernment. God, show us the way. We yield to you. Show us the person to choose. So a man named Matthias draws the short straw. What's interesting is we don't hear again from the other guy. Justice. We don't hear really about him again. Which I think is a good reminder to us. It's a good reminder because sometimes we think that all of us, or at least I should be chosen for the more prominent roles at church, right? We don't hear from him again. And so not every man in this congregation who's qualified will necessarily be chosen as a shepherd. Not every man who's even identified or recommended will necessarily be chosen as a shepherd. And that's okay. As N.T. Wright says, part of the call of discipleship is to play those apparent great roles without pride and those seemingly small roles without shame. And so back to the story, the early church continues to grow and and congregations are springing up as the apostles and others and later Paul preaches the gospel and travels around. But those apostles, they can't be everywhere, right? And so a need arises for more leadership, for more help, for more shepherds and servants. So we skip over to Acts chapter 14, and we pick up the story there. Verse 21, They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. You see that word there? Winning disciples, strengthening disciples, and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders or shepherds for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You see, Paul and Barnabas and the others realized that they need help, that they can't be at every place all the time. And so they lean on God. They look to God. To provide shepherds, elders, bishops. Those are the words that are used in the New Testament for this role in the Lord's church. Men to shepherd the congregation. But I hope that you saw that discipleship comes out even in this passage. Really, this passage is about discipleship and discernment. You see, their mission was very clear to win disciples, to make disciples and to strengthen disciples that's straight from the text to win disciples and to strengthen disciples to make disciples and develop disciples and as they do that and as they did that and as we do that a need arises a need arose for them to have additional shepherds so what do they do they do the same thing that was done 13 chapters earlier they look to God God show us the way God, we know you're raising up people for this important role. Who are they? So we, as a church family, have reached a critical time, and there is an important need. We need a few more men to join our eldership to serve as shepherds of this congregation, to lead us into the challenging yet exhilarating times that are in front of us. It is an important time for the church. The church needs good leadership. And because it's our God-given mission to make disciples. And as we look at the example of the early church in Acts, we realize that all of this must be done from a place of discipleship. That this is about discipleship and discernment. Discerning who among us, who is making disciples, can serve in that official role as shepherd. And so as we continue in this process, that's going to take some time. Our shepherds, our leaders right now, they want to be very deliberate about affirming people among us who are doing what we're talking about. Who are actually making disciples. That's so important to them. They want to affirm that. They want to encourage more of that. You see, that's happening among us. Many among this congregation are doing just that. They are opening up the word of God with people. Some people here, other people that aren't here yet. They are praying with people, supporting people, challenging people, holding people accountable. Maybe it's a peer, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a friend. There's so much of that going on here. People having discovery Bible studies with others. People having meaningful spiritual conversations with others. People who are doing life together for the specific cause of Christ. Not just doing life together, but doing life together for a purpose. Discipleship, moving toward Christ and Christ's likeness. And so our shepherds want to acknowledge and affirm these people. So here's the process. Out in the lobby, you will see two different forms, two different pieces of paper. There's a yellow form. It's called discipling affirmation form. There it is on the screen. And if your eyes are about like mine, there is not a chance you can read that. So let's zoom in on the first question there a little bit. And basically, that first question asks a very simple question, and this is for everyone, everyone to do. And the question is this Who is discipling you? What do we say discipleship is? Who is helping move you closer to Christ? Who is helping move you closer to Christ's likeness? Who is opening up the word with you, praying with and for you, encouraging you, supporting you, sometimes maybe challenging you? Who is doing that? We all need that. We need that in our lives. And hopefully, there's someone like that. And maybe it's a friend, a peer, a teacher. Maybe it's one of the current shepherds. Maybe it's someone else. Our leaders want you to write down their names man, woman, young, old it doesn't matter. Write them down. Who is discipling you? Who is ministering to you? There's a place on there that says, I can't think of anyone who's discipling me. If that's the case, indicate that because that shows our shepherds there's a need we have a need and you have a need and then number two is who have you observed who is discipling others maybe they don't have a a direct connection to you maybe they're not necessarily discipling you but you've seen them you've observed them and you know they are discipling others they are helping move others closer to christ Who have you observed in the congregation who's doing that? And so take the time to do this form. Everyone here should do this. And you know what our shepherds want to do? Lord willing, they want to take all of those names and they want to affirm you. And so they are planning to send a note to every person who's listed there. A note that just says, you've been identified as someone who is discipling others, someone who is ministering to others thank you thank you for what you do in the kingdom of God thank you for what you do to bring others closer to Christ thank you thank you and keep it up keep doing it we don't say thank you enough these days we don't affirm people enough these days and our shepherds want to do that you see it comes from a place of discipleship what do they want to affirm they want to affirm those disciple makers among us and then there's another form, the green form. Again, these are out in the lobby. The green form is for you to put specific names of men to potentially shepherd this congregation. And so ideally, you would take your yellow form and look at it. And look at the names that you list. Are there some men on there who might be good shepherds here. Are there some men that you are, have already identified as people who are disciple makers, people who are discipling others? Could they be good shepherds here? And so the idea is that you'll read these passages. I think we can zoom in on those a little bit. Read those passages straight from the New Testament that describe the kind of men God has called men to lead in this role as shepherd, the kind of men who have this kind of heart to shepherd the church. And so as you read those passages, what what men come to mind? These aren't qualifications. These are qualities. This isn't a checklist. This is a description of the kind of person that God wants to shepherd his church. And so from the names you put down on your yellow sheet, maybe there's a man or two after you read these scriptures that really you think of and say, yes, I think This person would be a great shepherd for the congregation. And write those names down. Now this is such an important process that we want to give you plenty of time to do this. So all of these forms, they're not due back until two weeks from today, October 7th. There's a box out there. You can can give them to one of the current shepherds or ministers. We'll make sure they get where they need to go. And so the idea is that you won't just quickly do this, but you'll take some of these forms home and you'll pray over them. Before you write down any name, pray about it. That's what we just read. Do you remember? They were looking for leaders. They were looking for for people to shepherd the congregation. And what did they do? They prayed. So pray about this. So someone says, okay, do you have to turn in both forms? Can you turn in one without the other? What's, What's the story on that? You can turn in one without the other. We hope that everyone will turn in one of the yellow forms because we want to affirm people who are discipling others. And ideally, you would have a yellow form before you had a green form. If you have a yellow form to turn in, that doesn't mean you have to have a green form. But ideally, you would have a yellow form before you have a green form. The instructions are on the paper. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. But this is something that all of us can do and all of us should do. You have an opportunity to have the shepherds of this congregation affirm someone and thank someone who has made a difference in your life. And you have an opportunity to suggest someone that might can serve in that role as shepherd. And don't we want shepherds who are disciple makers? Don't we want shepherds who are actively discipling others? Absolutely. As I said, I, I think this is an important process that calls us to a time of prayer. And this is going to take some time and we'll keep you updated as we go along, but it is going to be a process of spiritual discernment that involves all of us. And there will be steps along the way. But certainly, we want to pray. And so I think it's appropriate for us to pause right now and to pray together. Would you join me and let's offer this up to God. Father God, we come to you in this moment recognizing that you are the God of the universe, that you are the God that raised Jesus from that grave. Father, you have created us. You give us life. Father, you have given us the gift of the church. And Father, we pray that as we continue to move forward in this community and try to serve in this world, that you would give us a spirit of discernment, that you would allow your spirit to guide us to show us the way. And Father, as we enter into this process of spiritual discernment to affirm those who are discipling and to select additional shepherds to serve here. Father, we offer this process up to you. We're trying as much as we can to rely on you. And so, Father, we pray that you would guide us, that you would give us wisdom, that you would show us the men, the people that you have raised up, Father, thank you for letting us be a part of this. Thank you for being the God who has sent us the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus himself. Father, we are simply sheep trying to follow the good shepherd. Help us do that. Bless this congregation. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. Help us to be and to make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You'll notice in your bulletin there is a feature story written by Tammy Ross on Dean and Virginia Niles. And we're actually having a little reception for them tonight. I hope you'll come back tonight. After 33 years as a shepherd here, Dean is stepping aside. If you read that story, you, uh, you'll see a, a little quote. You might even almost miss it. A little quote by Dean. And basically what he says is, I hope in my years as a shepherd here that I have helped other people learn disciples making disciples that's who our shepherds are that's what our shepherds do but it's not just for them it's not just for the apostles it's not just for the shepherds all of us have been called to be and to make disciples and remember what we said discipleship is moving closer to Christ and Christ likeness and so what does that mean for you? you? You do have a job, a charge. We want you to take these forms home, pray about them, and write down names. But maybe there's something else you need to do. Maybe there's somewhere else God is leading you as you think about what it means to move closer to Christ. Maybe it means making some changes, some wholesale changes in your life. Maybe it means spending more time in the word of God so that your heart can be shaped by the spirit of God. Maybe it means repenting, confessing, making some changes in that regard. Maybe for you, it's it's time to give your life to Christ. You believe that Jesus did walk on this earth, that he died on that cross and that he did not stay in that tomb. And you're ready to be baptized into Christ and live your life to honor him we would be happy to help you with that today to celebrate that with you today we're going to have a couple of shepherds and their wives in the parlor right behind me and we're going to stand and sing a song you can make your way out one of these doors and find them in there and they'd be happy to receive you and to pray with you or you can come down to the front and all of us will encourage you and pray for you or if you're ready to be a Christian today we'd be glad to celebrate that with you there's something we can do invite you to come as we stand and sing I can hear my Savior calling I can...